Luke chapter 7 and verse 36. Luke chapter 7 and verse 36. I'm going to just speak for a short time, but I believe what I have to say is what God wants me to say. And uh, the title of this message tonight is God has seen your tears. God has seen your tears. Luke chapter 7 and verse 36. And one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment and stood at his feet behind him weeping and began to wash his feet with tears and did wipe them with the hairs of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee which had bidden him saw it, he spake within himself and said, This man, if he was a prophet, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he said, Master, say on. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one ought 500 pence and the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most. And he said unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and said unto Simon, See thou this woman. I entered into thine house. Thou gavest me no water for my feet, but she hath washed my feet with tears, wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman since the time I came and has not ceased to kiss my feet. Mine head with oil I does not anoint, but this woman has anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And he said unto her, Thy sins are forgiven. And they sat at meat with him. And they that sat at meat with him began to say within themselves, Who is this that forgiveth sins also? And he said to the woman, Thy faith has saved thee. Go in peace. Let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray that the Holy Spirit would speak in the hearts and lives in this room tonight. Lord, open the blinded eye, unstop the deafened ear. Lord, we pray tonight in your name that you would save, that you would set free, that you would forgive, and the miracle of the new birth would be evident in this life with much fruit and true repentance that men and women and young people will leave this house saved and in peace with God. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. 
Amen. The Bible tells us here that there was a Pharisee. We don't know the man's name, but he's described here in the Bible as a Pharisee. And this Pharisee had a desire that Jesus would come to his house. Now, for those who don't know what a Pharisee is in the Bible, a Pharisee were, they were a religious group in Bible times, and they were dedicated to observing the law. They, in the end, we believe, had over a thousand laws that they would follow, and many they created themselves about washing and how they would dress, how they would cut their beards, where they would go, where they wouldn't go, who they would touch, who they would eat with, who they wouldn't eat with, and so forth. There was literally hundreds of laws that they would observe. They were a religious group of people dedicated to the observing of the law, and they, on the outward, uh, were dedicated to moral purity and all the religious duties, and in that alone they trusted in themselves, in their own works, in their own deeds, by their own efforts, that that was enough before a holy, almighty God, that that in itself was pleasing to God, and they, because of that, would be acceptable to God. Yeah, we know from the words of the Lord Jesus Christ that none of these things None of these efforts, none of these religious duties, and could I say that the, the pharisaical system is still very much alive and well today in 2019. You know, there's an awful lot of religious systems that we have even in our own country whether it be Protestant, whether it be Roman Catholic, whether it be Muslim, whether it be Hindu, these are all religious systems that man has created in order that by some means or through that vehicle, they would please God and God would accept them in his sight. But that whole religious system was the greatest enemy of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ when he walked this earth 2,000 years ago. Jesus had no time for religion because religion was a blindfold and it was a hindrance in bringing people to the reality of the new birth and the salvation in Christ alone. And so today, many people are trusting. You know, we hear people saying that they're good living. Well, let me tell you something, friends. Christianity isn't good living. Christianity isn't good living. We see a lot of people that they may have positions in churches. They may have been baptized as a child in a church. Their name may be on some bit of paper in a church. They may belong to some denomination. Even many hold offices and are on committees in churches and involved in youth works and are involved in doing good works and feeding the poor and going out to, to different trips across the world and building houses and all these religious activities. Many of those things are wrong to do, but those things in themselves can never save you. And so people are trusting today, like this Pharisee, in all his religious activity. But yet what we note is that this Pharisee desired that Jesus would come to his house because Jesus died for religious people. He died for every person, red and yellow, black and white, all are precious in his sight. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 2 and 8, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and it is not of yourself. You cannot save yourself. That's a good place to start. You cannot save yourself. 
No matter how religious you may look, no matter how well you dress up on the outward, no matter how great it may look, no matter how all the church attendance in this world that you offer, if you attend church every day for the rest of your life, church attendance can't save you. Religious activity. But for by grace are ye saved through faith, not of yourselves. It is simply a gift of God, not of works lest any man should boast. Actually, the Pharisee and that whole system that they created was something in particular that Jesus spoke of in very severe terms. In Matthew chapter 23, speaking to the Pharisees, this is what Jesus said, Woe unto you, the scribes and the Pharisees. This is what Jesus said concerning this religious group of men. You are hypocrites. For you are like unto whited sepulchres, like whited tombs, which indeed appear on the outward beautiful, but within you're full of dead men's bones. In other words, on the outward, where they've all got it together. They, they have their, their fancy car. They go to church on Sunday morning. They eat in the finest restaurants for their lunches. They do all the religious activity. They're upstanding in the community. Their photographs are in the paper. They have letters after their name. They look the part. They talk the part. But Jesus said on the outward, it's all beautiful. But I have never come in to live in the heart of that man or a woman. And inside it's dead and it's empty and it's lifeless. Jesus was particularly concerned in opposition to those Pharisees. Why? Because it was like a stumbling block to the reality and the life that Jesus had come to give. It was like a blindfold. Friends, there's many blindfolds of religion today. Whatever title we want to put upon it. Even within the Protestant denominations, it's sad to say there's many blindfolds. Men are trusting in good works Men are trusting in church attendance. Men are trusting that they've been voted onto a committee and somehow that makes them saved. But friends, the Bible says, by grace are you saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's not the works of man. Jesus said to those Pharisees in Matthew 23, even so ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within you're full of hypocrisy. You're full of iniquity. It's dark. It's empty, it's lifeless. That's religion. That's, re- that's not Christianity, that's religion. It's man creating apparatus and works in order that by some means or some way, he through his own efforts will save himself. I want to tell you, friends, we can't save ourselves. It's impossible. It appears good, it's bright, it's white, it's good living, but on the inside it's dead and it's full of all uncleanness. Yet this man... This Pharisee desired for Jesus to come to his house. And thank God Jesus came. It's actually amazing. Because Jesus, in visiting this house, wanted to bring a wonderful revelation, not only to him, but to us who are sitting here tonight. Jesus desired to reveal to the Pharisee the wonderful truth of the gospel and the gift of salvation. Because Jesus came into the world to save Sinners, even religious ones. So they sit down to meet, to have a dinner, to have meal together. Today we'll sit around a table with chairs and we'll put the meal in the middle and we'll all all dig in, as we say. 
But in Bible times, there wasn't a table in church. They would sit on the floor so that you know the context. In biblical times, they would sit on the floor. And as they sat there, and there may be a raised area in the middle, and, and the food would be spread across the center area. But as the men would sit around the table, their feet would come out the back of them. So this is how this woman is standing behind the Lord Jesus Christ at his feet. And as Jesus is sitting down here at meat, there's a woman in the city. And all the Bible says about this woman, there's a woman in the city, and all the Bible describes her as, she was a sinner. That's all it says. There's a woman, so we have a Pharisee who's a religious man, we have Jesus, and we have a woman, and all the Bible says she was a sinner. Now, what is a sinner? A sinner is someone who sins. Let me tell you who those are. The Bible says in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned. That means everybody. We're all sinners. All have sinned and come short of the standard that God has set. Sin is missing the mark. Sin is falling short. The Bible says in 1 John 3 and 4, Whosoever committeth sin, transgress or breaks also the law, for sin is the breaking of the law. And ye know that he was manifested, that is Jesus, to take away our sins. And in him, that is Jesus, there is no sin. All the Bible tells us about this woman is, she was a sinner. She was a sinner. Bible tells us all of sin. Every person in this room, we're sinners. We've broken God's law. Two people here, one a Pharisee, one is dedicated to his own works, his own ability to live a sinless life, and a woman. And we read on down in the story because the Pharisee knows this woman because he said within himself, if, if this man Jesus was a prophet, he'd really know who this woman is. In other words, she had a reputation. She was well known in the town. She was well known to be a woman notable for her sins. There was no religious cover with this woman. It was just the reality of a sinful life. Pharisees hide behind a religious cloak, trusting in that religion, that that religion is going to save them. But that religion can't save them. This woman was there for all to see. She was simply a sinner. Thank God Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Sinners. The Bible tells us that the woman stood at his feet. Here they are. We don't know how many's in that room. We know the Pharisees there. We know that Jesus is there. We know this woman's there. But no doubt there were others gathered in to this house, sitting around this table, sitting eating. And now this woman, who's a sinner and a notable one, one with a reputation, comes into this house stands behind the Lord Jesus Christ and the Bible says she was weeping. She was weeping. Now we know she came because she heard that Jesus was in this house. And without any doubt tonight, the reason that she came to see Jesus was because this life, this woman, 
This life was a broken life. This was a broken life. Sin had destroyed her life. That's what sin does. Sin destroys lives. Sin destroys marriages and relationships. Sin destroys homes. Sin destroys towns. Sin destroys nations. Sin has destroyed the world. This woman, as an individual, she comes and she's weeping. She hears that there's a man in this house and that man's name is Jesus. And this notable sinner of infamous reputation comes, stands behind the Lord Jesus Christ and she begins to weep. There's a woman here in this story and she is weeping because, I can tell you this, she's had enough of the life that she's living. She's had enough. She's had enough of a life filled with sin. She's had enough of a life that's been ruined and broken through sin. She's heard that there's a man called Jesus in this house. And this man, Jesus Christ, is able to forgive sins and change lives. That's why she came. He's here in this particular house, in this actual city, in this Pharisee's house, and he's come to save people from their sin and cleanse them from their sin and from and deliver them from the power of sin and also from the penalty of sin. What is the penalty of sin? It's death and it is eternal separation from God in a place called hell. God has no intention to send anybody to hell. He created hell for the devil and his angels. What takes a man or a woman to hell is their sin. Sin. And so this woman comes and stands behind the Lord Jesus Christ. She goes into that house. She's not concerned. I suppose in many respects, if you put yourself in her shoes, she knows what the Pharisees think of her. They, wouldn't, they would cross the street if they met this woman, for example, if we're walking down Main Street, if those Pharisees are coming down Main Street on one side and they see this woman coming up the same side, they would have crossed the road because we would not come into contact with such a woman. That's religion, but it's not Christianity. That is religion. It's for a particular type of people. There's, there's no place for such a woman like this in a religious system. She's not welcome. You know, if she walked into many religious establishments today, many people would get up and move to the other side of the room because they wouldn't want to be seen to be sitting with such a sinful woman. And yet in the reality of it all, every single one of us are as vile and as rotten as what she is. But religion's an awful thing because it makes us feel good about ourselves. But friends, I'm going to tell you, we're wretched sinners just like her. And so we see here, this woman wants to come to this man, Jesus. That same Jesus that was in the house of the Pharisee, the same Jesus that was in this sitting, the same Jesus that was sitting at that table that night to do the work in this woman's life, I want to tell you something. It's the same Jesus tonight that's here. Not a different one. He's here by His Spirit. 
The Bible tells us where two or three are gathered in the name of Jesus Christ, that Jesus said, I will be here, and he's here by his Holy Spirit. Isn't that good news? Listen, she stood at his feet behind him, the Bible says, and she was weeping. I want to tell you something. This isn't the first time this woman has wept. This isn't the first time that she shed tears. You see, for someone to break down and begin to weep in public, you know that that person's in the very depths of despair and brokenness. And she's not concerned what the Pharisee thinks. She's not concerned what anyone else in that room thinks. But this woman's wept before. I don't know what over, but I want to tell you something. When your life is so broken because of sin, many times you'll weep. You'll weep before you go to bed. You'll weep during the night. You'll stand often in your, by yourself in rooms and, and often in the mornings and often during the day. You'll weep because of the sense of hopelessness in a life. Sin leaves us hopeless. Many times she's wept. Can I tell you, every time she wept, that God's seen her tears? You know, there's three types of tears. Three types. Maybe there's four. One's called crocodile tears. Ever heard that expression? They say that, well, it's true, crocodiles have three eyelids. I didn't know that. But they often cry. But it's a bluff. They say that their prey feels sorry for them when they see a crocodile crying and go over to, to sort of see how they're doing then the crocodile... That's where you get the term crocodile tears. But there's three types of tears. Every person in this room currently are shedding tears. Did you know that? Man, you're shedding tears. I never cry. Man, you're shedding tears. There's one type of tear that constantly keeps your eyeball lubricated. That's good, isn't it? Oh, it's to dry up and you'd all be sitting. <laughs> so constantly there's a tear that flows to keep our eyeballs lubricated. There's another type of tear that happens. Anybody ever cut onions? <laughs> you okay? It's just cutting the onions. Have you ever been in the garden when you're doing the strimmer and you forgot to put the visor down, something flies up, hits you in the eye? What happens? You begin to cry. Tears begin to flow. You get dust thrown in your face. You're at the beach and they're enjoying the beach and a big wind comes along, blows the sand up around your eyes and the next minute, what are you doing? There's another set of tears that are called reactive tears that come because your eyes are protecting themselves. But there's a third type. There's a third type of tear. You know what it says? I don't know where this is true or not. Statistically, women cry 50 times a year and men cry 10. That, some of us might break the averages there. <laughs> I don't know where that's true. But let me tell you something, men, we have bigger ear ducts than women. We just don't use them enough. We just don't use them enough. There's a part in the brain, this type of weeping, there's a part in our brain, there's a technical terms or scientific terms, people who know that, they can keep me right afterwards. But that part of that brain is connected directly to your ear ducts. And that registers when there's a strong reaction to emotion. 
or a tragedy or something great has happened. So you cry, you weep when you're really happy. You cry when you're really sad. Cry when you're broken. You cry when you've lost someone you love. You cry when you can't cope. Your brain sends a message to your ear ducts, your, your tear ducts, and then tears begin to come. And then it's also connected to, have you ever got a lump in your throat? It's all actually, can, your brain recognizes that there's, there's turmoil, there's stress, there's hurt. You've had enough. You can't go on. You can't cope with life. And so your brain sends a message to your eyes and suddenly it's connected with these molecules and all the terms are for those who know all about it. Suddenly you find yourself, you're weeping. The tears are streaming. And they keep streaming. This woman's life was broken. She's weeping. And it's not the first time. She's wept before. Maybe there's a man. Maybe there's a woman. Maybe there's a young person. You found yourself in this place that you've been weeping because of the life that you've lived. You know, you're tired. You're tired of that life. Sin has been like your master. And sin will never treat you kind. The devil's not your friend. Jesus said that the thief, that's the devil, has come to steal this and to kill and destroy. He destroy your life and the tears. You have wept many times. You've wept maybe in, in private. You've wept in darkness. You've wept when you've put your head on your pillow at night. You've wept and you've wept and you've wept. Because you don't want to live the way you live. You're tired of the life of sin. Your heart is broken. Your life is filled with sin and misery. And this woman weeps. There's only one man in this whole room that understands her tears. There's only one man in this room that understands your tears. His name's Jesus. Knows all about it. Before she ever came into that room, if this was the first encounter with Jesus Christ, before she ever came into that room, Jesus had seen all her tears, heard all her cries. He had gathered them all up. He knew everything about her life. She begins so deeply and powerfully she was crying with these tears, so powerful were the tears streaming out of her face. The Bible says, now she must have been really crying, says she began to wash his feet with her tears. She's really crying. She's a broken life. Do you know, in the Bible, it tells us of a king. His name was Hezekiah. He got some really bad news. He was going to die. And he prayed and he called out to God. And God sent the prophet Isaiah to him. And as Isaiah came into the king Hezekiah, 
He said these words, Thus saith the Lord God, the God of David thy father, is what he said, I've heard your prayer. I've seen your tears. Seen your tears. God has seen your tears. So this woman begins to pour out her tears and begins to anoint the Lord Jesus Christ with her hair. She's drying his feet. It is a shocking thing to the Pharisee. The Pharisee's looking at this saying, if Jesus really knew what type of woman this is, we know this woman. We know what she's at. We know the life that she's lived. I don't know what that means. Maybe, maybe was she a prostitute? I don't know. But it seems as though she was well known in the town. And they're saying, how in, in this world could this man Jesus, who says he's the Son of God and he's a prophet and he's a teacher, how could he allow a woman like this to touch him? Thank God that Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Religion can't save you. And so the Lord says, Now Simon, I want to show you something. There's a creditor here. There's a man. And there's two people that owe him money. 500 pence and 50 pence. And so instantly the man says, I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to wipe the whole slate clean. 500 Victoria 50 pence, Nicky. I'm going to wipe the slate clean. Which one of the two will appreciate that more? Who do you think? Why? Because her debt was greater. Why do people... You know, they say that the gospel of Christianity is for people who are weak and, and, and they're, you know, they're, they're weaklings and they're people that can't make it in life and they've messed up. Praise the Lord, it's true. I'm one of them. That's what the gospel's for. You see, now all that other stuff, it's religion, it's the pride of man inside. They're empty, they're dead, they're going nowhere. Well, they're going to a lost eternity, but they're trusting in themselves. God wipes the sick clean because he pays the debt of sin through his own blood when he died on the cross. All your sins, all your tears, all your brokenness. Praise Jesus tonight. That he, when you come to him through faith and repentance alone, he'll take your life and he wipes the slate clean. And tonight, friends, you can leave this place like that woman with your sins forgiven and having peace with God. And so the Pharisees stand and trying to work out the simplicity of the story. You know what? I've come into this house, you've done nothing. You've just sat, you've looked, you've watched, you've tried to understand. But see this woman? See, since she came into this room, she's washed my feet with her tears, dried it with her hair. She's brought a precious box with precious ointment and she has anointed my feet. But you've done nothing. This woman was so thankful that there was an answer for her life. That answer was Jesus Christ. She was so appreciative that her sins a life filled with sin. She was about to leave this place, friends, with all her sins under the blood of Jesus Christ. She was about to leave sins forgiven, homeward bound, and that's heaven. And she was about to leave with the peace of God. That night when she put her head on her pillow, brothers and sisters, she had peace with God. Religion can't offer you that. Jesus said, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. She loved much. 
But to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And he said to her, he turns to this woman. I don't know how many's in this room. He turns to this woman. She didn't care he was there. All she was concerned about that Jesus was there. And he said to her, Woman, I can see her looking up. Can you see her face, red raw, her eyes? I don't know where they had mascara back then, but I'm sure her face. It was all, she didn't care. Didn't care about the makeup. Didn't care what it looked like. And she looks up into the eyes of Jesus and Jesus looks at her and he says, Woman, your sins are forgiven. Your faith, your faith in me has saved you. You can leave here. Go in peace. That woman got up from that room, that house, and walked out that door And she was a new creature in Jesus Christ. We're justified, what by? By works, by being religious, by getting the suit, getting the biggest Bible you can possibly get, getting to every meeting. That's good to get to every meeting. It's good to get to the house of God. You're justified by faith. And we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, as I close, friend, man, or woman, or young person, you can leave here tonight with your sins forgiven and have peace with God. That's amazing. You can leave here tonight. So we've got the offer. But I tell you what, it's enough. You can leave here, you can leave here, any person in this room, with your sins forgiven and peace with God. God has seen your tears. God has seen your tears. God has come, Jesus, only Jesus, to save you. What a gospel. What hope we have. Let's pray together.